Good afternoon, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Atlin Jackson welcoming you uh, to the August 19th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you by the First Community Bank of South Carolina, my newest sponsor, and my own consulting firm, Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. Today, I have a very special guest that I told you about at the end of last week's show. His name is Andre Benito Mountain. Uh, he has written several books on the topic of public education, and today we're going to discuss his most recent book. It is called Principles Don't Walk on Water, They Walk Through It. Uh, Mr. Mountain has been very much connected to Augusta. He is a graduate of the uh, A.R. Johnson Health Professions High School here in Augusta. He also worked for several years in Richmond County Schools as a curriculum supervisor for social studies. He also received his educational specialist degree from our own Augusta University. Welcome, Mr. Mountain, to our show today. Oh, thank you for having me, Ms. Jackson. Uh, we uh, are talking about education today. Most folks that listen to us regularly know that most of the time we're talking about uh, local and state government issues. Uh, I also consider education to be a local government issue uh, from the standpoint that you pay for it with your tax dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, in case you didn't know, here in Richmond County, uh, when you pay that property tax bill, actually two-thirds of it goes to the school system. Only one-third comes to uh, Richmond County government for their maintenance and operations. So uh, you're paying for this service. Uh, you're electing people to govern the system. Uh, and uh, those people who work at the school level and at the uh, administration level uh, are your public employees. So that is the connection to local matters. Uh, as I began to read this book, I was fascinated by it, number one. Uh, you also know that I've had several guests who are educators, uh, who have been authors, excuse me. Um, we've talked about uh, law enforcement. We've talked about uh, overcoming uh, disappointment with a couple of other authors that we had. So today we're going to talk uh, specifically about education. And as I got into this book, I was very, very interested. I found out that Mr. Mountain and I had some key things in common, one of which is that we are the children of educators. Uh, my mother was a public uh, school system educator in Saluda County, South Carolina. Uh, we both you know, came up in public schools. And there was one section in here very early on where he talked about corporal punishment and the impact uh, that that has on kids and the connection between corporal punishment and uh, police violence, brutality, all those things we see here. So I found that fascinating. And I thought back on one of those old fashioned uh, straps that one of the teachers that I had uh, back when I was at Hornsby had fashioned out of a piece of a tire. It was about a one inch strip of a, a vehicle tire that was really painful when she hit us with that. So um, this book explores corporal punishment. Uh, there's one quote in particular that I really love here, and I'm going to read this quote to you, and I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Mountain. It says, principals have an opportunity to push through against this narrative in ways they educate students, train teachers, and levy discipline in their schools. The opportunity to enact social justice in school has never been more important than right now in 2020. 
teachers need comprehensive training on mentoring, restorative discipline practices, and the disproportionality that exists when it comes to suspensions among African-American boys and students with disabilities. Pressure to implement zero tolerance policies come from parents and teachers. Narratives are spun to characterize more informed approaches to discipline as being soft on students. The waters are troubled and deep, but courageous principals are walking through it each day. Mr. Mountain, please tell us what your inspiration was for writing those words. Oh man, when I wrote that, I was thinking about the memories I have of being in elementary school and hearing the sound of that paddle hitting someone and how that would send chills through a classroom and the psychology of that as a kid. You know, I've learned as a leader, you cannot lead a school from a place of fear, but we were all uh, subjected to a, a culture of fear, you know, as opposed to teaching right behaviors. And I think that that's the shift that we've seen in schools. And I wanted to capture that because right now in this moment, in addition to the pandemic situation, we're also seeing the assault on the black body, you know, whether it's at the hands of law enforcement in some cases, uh, we, we just have to really look at how we engage our kids, especially in a school where we're supposed to be caring for them and nurturing them. It was very surprising for me to do the research and find out that there are some states that are still inflicting this type of punishment on kids as a way to control behavior. And I just think we have enough research at our disposal and we have enough understanding of, of psychology and, and motivation that we can let go of some certain practices and, and, and be aware of how these things cause trauma in kids. I have 710 students in my school and many of them are already dealing with issues of trauma. The school does not need to add to that in any way by inflicting you know, physical punishment on them. They're learning the right behaviors. We're teachers. We're supposed to be teaching the right behaviors and celebrating their adjustments. And I, and I wanted to capture that. And I also, as I talked about, the waters are troubled and deep. Leaders have to step out there and train teachers to make the shift. Some veteran teachers, they only understand suspension. You know, the principal didn't support me because the child is still in school. There are other ways that we can punish students other than physical violence or suspension, you know, because there's a great disparity with African-American boys being suspended from school. And the more you're away from school, the less you're learning. So all of those things are connected. We have to connect the dots. So I think sometimes we want kids to always make the adjustments, but we as teachers, we as educators have to make some adjustments and meet kids where they are. Also in the book, I, I saw you uh, talk about a, a child, I think you named him Case, who had been acting out in school. Uh, you had a conference with his mother and you learned that his father was in jail. I think you also learned that there was some considerable domestic violence in that particular home. Mm -hmm. And the mother told you that the child was acting out because he was hoping to be sent to jail so that he could be with his dad. Yes, that, that was a heartbreaking scenario. and. Uh... You know, we just, we watched him just tear up classrooms and, and just hit teachers. But there was, under those behaviors, there was a deeper issue that had to be dealt with. That young man needed a mentor. He needed, you know, he needed someone to talk to about the feelings that he was having. He was only in first grade, you know? And so knowing those things about our young people helps us to get them connected to the help they need, whether it's one of our school counselors or outside agency. He's... If, if that's not addressed, he's on a fast track 
of destruction. And so that's part of the work of a school that's beyond any testing or beyond any math or science. We got to help our kids heal and be whole people. Okay. Okay. Is that one of the biggest things that's been missing, um, you think, in public education? You know, you think you've got so many kids, like that you have 700 students in the school where you're currently a principal. And I want you to talk a little bit about that school too later on. But um, it would seem to be very difficult to understand the personal story behind so many children. So, you know, how do you make that work? You know, it's relationships. That's the key. You know, parents uh, want to build relationships with teachers. Teachers are building really rich relationships with students and getting to know them. And that's, that's what the success of a school or even a classroom is built on. If we look at the business world, if you look at stores that uh, like Nordstrom's or, or these high-end stores, they build a really good relationship with their customers and have return business. Starbucks model is about that, the customer service piece. And I think getting to know our students is, is a customer service piece. And then in that, we learn about them and we learn other ways we can support them. Okay. And tell us a little bit about the school. It seems to be a magnet school where you're, your principal, is that right? Well, it's, it's actually a public school, but it's a choice school. And, and what that means is we accept all students, but our students have to apply and then they're chosen in a lottery. And so one of my goals has been to grow the school. Last year, our enrollment was about 580. And this year we're looking at 710. And next year I'm looking to grow another 15%, you know, because we're using social media and we're using all types of different apps to stay connected to the community. But I think the most important thing is every interaction, every relationship is positive. And so that's how you grow your school, grow your business. People want really rich relationships. And, and so my school is a theme school, a traditional theme school, which means that we wear uniforms, they're required. Students, when they do come in the building, they're wearing uniforms. Parents have to do 16 hours of volunteer time at our school. And another thing is our students do summer packets. So when we let them go for the summer, we give them about a month's worth of schoolwork that has to be turned in the second week of school. Uh, they do a semester project as early as pre-K. You do a semester project and you present it to your classmates. And uh, it's just, you have to memorize poetry too. Poetry is, for 24 years, every student in this school, you start the year, you have to memorize certain assigned poems. You know, it might be, I know why the caged bird sings, you know, or our deepest fear but that helps build a sense of confidence in students so they can stand up and speak with poise and articulate their words. That's part of the educational process as well because those students will end up running for office or being a manager of a store or owning their own business. You have to go ahead and develop those skills early on. All right, very good, very good. And now in terms of the curriculum, uh, is it, uh, how is it different? I know you said they have there are things that they're responsible for they have to do that you wouldn't do at a regular school. Uh, is the curriculum focused on any particular area or is it a general curriculum? We teach the Georgia Standards of Excellence, uh, but I will say that there's a real intentional push at our school under my leadership to include two components that typically are not always included. One, there's a very strong emphasis on culture, helping kids understand their culture and the other cultures of folks that are in this building. The second thing is a focus on urban agriculture. Our school is focusing on, on helping kids learn where does your food come from? You know, how does, how, does it, how does that cucumber get to that point, that eggplant or those collard greens get on your plate? 
we have a garden here and we grow all types of vegetables from squash, cucumbers, okra, uh, tomatoes. Uh, and, and so our kids go out there into that garden. Our parents and grandparents come and work that garden. In the front of the building, we have about 50 sunflowers growing right now and we harvest those. So kids, you love the sunflower seeds. Now you're gonna see how we're gonna grow our own sunflower seeds. And so urban agriculture is very big in our school and understanding their culture. We have a, a very African center. So our focus this year, our theme for the year is, and how are the children? And that phrase comes from the Maasai greeting. The Maasai, when, the warriors, when they greet each other, in Tanzania and Kenya, they ask, and how are the children? Because they understand the value of children in determining the health and wellness of a society. You know, if our children are okay, if our children are healthy and thriving, then our society is thriving. But if our children are troubled and traumatized and broken, then our society is broken as well. So our theme for the year is based on this, this Maasai greeting, and how are the children? Uh, one of the other things that I found fascinating, that is fascinating. I was sitting there thinking that I'm a vegetarian. So when you're talking about growing all these vegetables, you're making me hungry. So <laughs> I may have to come up there and, and get some squash. But um, as I listened to that and I read a portion of your book, it is obvious that you are extremely enthusiastic about the work that you do. Yes. Uh, it's obvious that you love leading a school. Uh, you love being an educator. You love seeing children uh, develop to their fullest. But in the book, you say you were very hesitant about taking on a role as a principal. Tell me how you evolved into this. You know, I, I just, I was going off the models that I saw growing up. And I saw principals in just primarily disciplinary roles. I didn't see principals building rich relationships with us as students. But as I um, started working as an assistant principal in Washington State, you know, they had a whole child initiative there. I was in Tacoma, Washington, and I just saw the real focus on relationships, developing the whole child, um, principals being highly visible. And so I got a different perspective on, on running a school. And I started to think, you know, I think I might be able to do this in the right setting, you know. And I definitely wanted to be closer to home. Like if I, was, if I was going to lead a school, I knew I wanted to lead a school back in my home state of Georgia. And so making the transition back home was good. Uh, and it gave me a chance to settle down in a school district that was doing many of the things that I, that I love. You know, DeKalb is really big on technology integration. You know, they're really big on embracing culture and cultural response to teaching. And so I just found the right fit for me to become a principal and I wake up and I just love coming to this building every day and, and, and working with my students and my staff. And I always tell my staff, you gotta love this. You know, the New Edition had a song, If It Isn't Love, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I always, I started our pre-planning last year with that video and I said, you know, if, if you don't love this, it's gonna show, if it isn't love, you know, why do I feel so bad? And we, some, some days we do feel bad, but we come back every day because we love this. All right. It's very good. I also uh, saw from your website that you're available to do speaking engagements uh, and those types of things. Um, please tell our audience two things. One, how they contact you if they want you to come and speak. And two, talk a little bit about where they would find uh, this book as well as the other books that you've written. Absolutely. You can visit my website, AndreBenitoMountain.com. That's A-N-D-R-E. B-E-N-I-T-O 
mountain.com. And there's a contact link there. You can contact me. You can also email me. You can email me. My email address is defeducation at icloud.com. That's D-E-F education at icloud.com. And, uh, you know, I'm always interested in supporting the work of schools, colleges. You know, I've, I've had an opportunity to present at conferences and support my colleagues who are also leading schools because we all can learn from each other. And so we've done some innovative things here in, in DeKalb at Marble Theme School. But I also want to just see great things happen at schools in other places because it's about giving kids those rich experiences. Okay. All right. Very good. Very good. And tell, me, tell us, give us the titles of the other two books you've written. Sure. The first book that I wrote was called The Brilliance Beneath, The Brilliance Beneath, The Power of Perspective in Urban Schools. And so that book is really about how there's this push in America to try to label all schools as failing schools, all public schools, the school is a failing school and all of those things. There are wonderful things going on in schools. And sometimes we don't ever hear about it. And I, I liken it to the brilliance beneath. If you have a, a beautiful bell or brass uh, cup, and it's tarnished over the years. It's still brilliant. You just have to remove away some of the tarnish to reveal the brilliance beneath. The second book is called The Mountain Principles. And it's just some things that I've learned the first couple of years of being an assistant principal. And there's certain principles that I, I started living by that helped create success at work, in personal matters, everything. And so it contains 27 lessons or principles that you can live by. And in the most recent book, is uh, Principles Don't Walk on Water, They Walk Through It. And that is available on Amazon, along with the other books. It's on Amazon and also in Barnes and Nobles. Okay, great. And give me that web address one more time. Sure. My website is andrebenitomountain.com. AndreBenitoMountain.com. Yes. Thank you so much for being with us today. I got another few seconds. Is there anything you want to share uh, in closing? I just want to share this, that I believe that education is the civil rights issue of our time. And we have to make sure, even in these troubled times, that kids have access to devices. Every student should have a device. Teachers need professional development because it's about giving kids access to a world-class education, whether you live in Saluda, Augusta, Metro Atlanta, or Sandersville, Georgia. We, we got to make sure that all of our kids have access and they can, they can compete globally. Uh, we we got to move away from just testing kids too much, and we got to really start healing our kids and our families. And uh, that's the work that I'm trying to do along with the dynamic team here. And so thank you so much for having me and pull out of this and, and get everything back on track with public education. All right. Great. Thank you so much for being with us today. I wish you tremendous success, uh, both in terms of selling your book, because you do have great messages in all of your books, as well as just continuing to be a great educator for our students right. and a role model for other principals. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right. I certainly hope you enjoyed Mr. Mountain. Uh, even as someone who has never been an educator, I found the book to be very interesting. School is something everyone can relate to because we've all been there, even if just for a little while. And there are so many things that happen in school settings that we don't fully understand or appreciate. Uh, as you go through this book, um, he makes some very interesting uh, observations. Uh, one thing I want to point out in the author's note, he says that this is a work of nonfiction. There are no villains in this story, 
only aspiring heroes. To serve as an educator is to take on the mantle of a hero to someone. It may be a child, a colleague, or a family member who needs your support and guidance during a tough time. There are exceptional days and there are days when everything seemingly falls apart. Principals aspire to serve as the gatekeepers for their respective schools and for the profession as a whole. We seek out candidates who show particular promise or commitment to the overall aims of our schools. This book provides a glimpse into those efforts and struggles. In most cases, I have tried to capture the complexity and curiosity that exists inside each of us. I have retold stories to the best of my recollection. There are no perfect schools, perfect districts, or perfect leaders. Principals do not walk on water. We are all seeking to become the best versions of ourselves. This work of counter storytelling is my aspirational effort to humanize the work of school leaders. When possible, I have tried to provide rich and robust context for the events that have occurred. Uh, he has, of course, changed some names to protect the privacy of the individuals referenced in the book. Uh, but whether you know the individuals or not, it's just a wonderful, wonderful read. Again, the name of the book is Principles Don't Walk on Water, They Walk Through It. The author is Andre Benito Mountain, and his previous books include The Brilliance Beneath and The Mountain Principles. Please check him out at www.andrebenitomountain.com. In terms of our upcoming stories, uh, shows, excuse me, we've got some wonderful ones coming up uh, next week, August 25th. Our guest is uh, Anth Metzger. She is Deputy Director of Campaign Communications for EMILY's List. That organization is the nation's largest resource for women in politics. She will discuss the benefits of having women in office. Uh, next week on uh, September 2nd, my guest will be Minister Siobhan Williams. Uh, she is the Georgia Organizing Ambassador for Faith in Public Life. That organization is one that I did not know of until relatively recently. I came uh, in contact with them through my consulting journey. And this group, uh, Faith in Public Life, uh, they are a strategy center advancing faith in the public square as a powerful voice for justice, compassion, and the common good. Uh, I met Minister Williams by virtue of the 2020 census. As you know, I'm working with the Greater Augustus Interfaith Coalition on our local total count initiative. We partner with a number of organizations, including Faith and Public Life. Had a chance to meet her, uh, chat with her about the topic of accountability for elected officials. Uh, so I'm going to start a two-part series on accountability. Uh, she's going to talk about how now that we have made our choices on who will represent us, how do we ensure that they're working towards our priorities. That show again will take place on September 2nd. Um, as I said, it's a two-part series on accountability for public officials. The next person will be uh, Mr. Nicholas Harrison. He is a native Augustan, a graduate of Glen Hills High School, who now resides in Gwinnett County. 
and he has been very actively involved as a parent in the Gwinnett County school system. And he will discuss his strategies for success and keeping elected bodies honest. So uh, please look forward to this uh, two-part series on accountability for public officials. Uh, following that on September 16th, uh, my next guest will be Fred Russell, uh, somebody that all of us probably know. Uh, Fred, like myself, is a former Augusta administrator. Uh, he served in that position, I think, for 10 years or so. And he is now president of the F.L. Russell Group, LLC. Uh, Fred and I are going to sit and talk about a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and a little bit of everything in between. Uh, so that should be a lively discussion between uh, two career public servants. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed the various topics that we have discussed. Uh, we're going to try to keep it interesting for you. Uh, we uh, know uh, that now that the elections are over, there's still plenty of other things that we can talk about, uh, and we're going to keep it interesting. I also I'd like to hear from you about suggestions for guests. Sometimes my guests are people that I think of off the top of my head, and I start to call them up and say, hey, you want to appear on my show? Uh, sometimes they are people who contact me and say, hey, I would love to be on your show. And sometimes they come to me by virtue of suggestions from uh, people that I know, people who are regular listeners and know that there are certain people that have messages to share uh, with us. So uh, if you have a suggestion about a potential guest, do not hesitate to reach out to me via Facebook Messenger for those of you who are on Facebook. Uh, also, you can contact me via my website. That is JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com. Uh, I have a contact us page there and you can uh, go on there, reach out to me to suggest anybody it is that you might want to see as a guest and you think uh, fits in with the theme of this show. And as always, I encourage you to share these episodes. Some of the best things that happened to me is uh, I always share the episodes on Facebook and on LinkedIn uh, and on Twitter, um, all over social media. I share the episodes so that people that I connect with on those uh, mediums can share it with others. So that is how we increase uh, the knowledge and awareness of the show. Uh, I do these things. Uh, I've started this show because I had messages that I want to share uh, with the general public. That includes the people that I know and the people that I don't know. So you help me anytime you share one of those shows on your social media. Uh, I know everybody, however, is not on social media. That means that you can go to SoundCloud uh, and you can share the shows there. Because um, I want to build awareness of uh, local matters. I want to enhance understanding of uh, educational systems, of local governments, of state governments, and uh, you provide the help and assistance that makes that possible uh, for me. Uh, as you know, as I said, my show is on Spotify. For those of you who are on Spotify, uh, the show is on SoundCloud uh, slash Local Matters. You can go there, load that into your black browser uh, at any time and pull up one of the shows and you can share them uh, via uh, text message, via email message, um, as well as social media. So uh, please help spread the word. I'm doing this because I think it's a good thing and I'm glad to have you on as part of uh, my journey in doing this. 
uh, as I prepare to close, you know, I'm going to close with the same thing because I love it. I decided that that was a perfect theme for this show. Uh, and uh, you may have noticed on today's show, I've got a little uh, music in the background. Uh, that music is a song from the Shy Lights. They released this song in the early 70s. And when I thought about it, I said, hmm, power to the people. Uh, that's what this is about, particularly as we discuss topics related to uh, voting and accountability. Uh, got that. And I think it also connects very nicely to my closing scripture. Uh, as you know, from the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Tune in here on WKZK. Uh, it is available in three different ways as well, wkzk.net on the internet, 1600 AM and 103.7 FM next Wednesday at 1.30 PM because local matters. Bye-bye.